knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned is not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Hi and welcome to Theology Gals and I am Colleen Sharp and I have Angela as my co-host right now as Ashley is still enjoying some time off with her little her little baby. And if you're in the group, hopefully you've seen a picture because he is cute as can be, got a full head of dark hair and we keep going back. And well, at least I, some pictures, I think he looks just like Ashley and some pictures just like her husband. So it's, it's, it's amazing how babies can even have very specific looks. So this is, this has been a, you know, there's always interesting on social media, but there's been a lot. You've seen it, I know, and we've talked about it in the admin chat because I think it was last Sunday night. I don't pay attention to these things, but and I wouldn't have known except for social media that an actor named Chris Pratt, and if you're on social media, you've probably seen the talk about it, and I think it was the MTV Awards. I, I know such so little about these things, and he said something that resulted in a lot of Christians saying, oh, he gave the gospel, and other Christians saying, no, that wasn't a gospel presentation. So I thought it would be good to just talk about what he said and and some of the controversy and how we should look at at things like this, especially in culture. You don't often have actors that are out there talking about Christianity. And so I'm going to read real quick. I'm not going to read his whole speech because some of it was just silly. He had given kind of these, his, I think, nine rules for life or something like that. And two of them referred to to God in some way. So number six was God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. Believe that. I do. And then his number nine was nobody is perfect. People are going to tell you you're perfect just the way you are. You're not. You're imperfect. You always will be. But there is a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you're willing to accept that, you will have grace. And grace is a gift. And like the freedom we enjoy in this country, 
that grace was paid for with someone else's blood. Do not forget it. Do not take it for granted. So what do you, what do you think, Angela? Well, first of all, I'm kind of like you. I, I probably wouldn't have seen it if not for social media and friends talking about, oh, hey, did you see this? I, I thought it was really interesting, actually. Uh, there is a way in which you really don't usually hear that type of talk about um, God and faith from famous actors. So there is an aspect there that is it. It seems genuine, and it seems I, I certainly have no trouble at all being uh, encouraged by that. Actually, I, you know, some of the conversations that we were having in our little group. I think one of the things I said was, um, you know, to me, he comes across genuine, and my feelings about that is that it kind of drives me to think I need to pray for that guy because what what he did and what he said actually it did take courage, you know, right. Uh, and so that is how I feel towards him about what he said. I do also uh, think that I see, you know, it's interesting because a lot of the conversations that we have had about this are in the context of a reformed view of soteriology right. and a reformed view of uh, a, a technical view of what the gospel is and what the gospel is not. And so I think it's really interesting that if I think about what he said in in light of maybe what I thought a gospel presentation was like, you know, say 15 years ago or when right. I was a kid, the kind of things that I learned when I was a teenager on how to share the gospel, you know, step one, God loves you. Step two, you're a sinner. Right. Uh, step three, Jesus died for your sins. You know, uh, that simple sort of Arminian view of sharing the gospel. If I think about it in terms of that, I can kind of see the bones there of, of him right. doing that. There, you know, uh, that that classic Arminian God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I, I mean, you he almost right. said almost exactly those same words. So um, I think there's a lot actually to be encouraged there. And, and I can give grace on, you know, I think about my own past. What was it like when I was sharing the gospel 20 years ago? I mean, embarrassing. That's what it was yeah. like. <laughs> um, but... You know, if I'm if there is something that for me to be disappointed in, it's in people who I um, maybe think of as very mature believers sharing this and captioning it. What an amazing gospel presentation! Right, right. Um, uh, there is there is you know growth in the Christian life and a and a time for you to come to a much better understanding of what the gospel actually is. And how how that changes your life, and how the Lord is the one who draws, and um, that sort of thing. So, I don't know. Uh, did you have um, what kind of thoughts did you have about it? Yeah, I I think you're right. I think it's probably a very typical Armenian type gospel presentation. My hope is that in the sovereignty of God, that somebody would maybe go online and look up what is he referring to and maybe find a clearer gospel presentation. 
I don't think we should say, oh, wow, what an amazing gospel presentation. He didn't even right. say Jesus in it. Right. <laughs> he didn't say sin. <laughs> right. Uh, he said, you're not perfect. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is, I think you're right. It's similar to maybe what I would have said at 13, you know, as, as an Arminian. I thought I saw something from a, a guy on Twitter and he's a URC guy. And I thought what he said was interesting. So I screenshotted it to save it and for this. And he said, the Chris Pratt speech, it was fine. And Christians who have criticized it based on content would probably find something better to do. More interesting is why we get so excited to have someone who is great in the world's eyes espouse a fragment of Christian truth. Mm-hmm. Though he may be sincere in his belief, he has made a fortune peddling silly and less than wholesome entertainment, some of which I enjoy, but not because it comes from a professing Christian. Remember how excited we were when Bob Dylan converted? How did that turn out? Perhaps we could call it the myth of celebrity influence, to borrow a phrase. Now, I did, mm-hmm. I, I could not, aside from Everwood, which was a show he was on years ago. I could not actually name one thing that he's been in. We're not huge TV and movie people. Although I did hear somebody say he's been in some questionable, questionable things. And so I think maybe it's an opportunity to pray for him mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that he's somebody who really is a baby Christian, that he would grow and and that would include in his sanctification. Because I think I there is an actor and I cannot remember his name, but I remember that he would not even be in something that he would kiss somebody, which I thought was very interesting. And he still got roles, but he, you know, this was something that he was not going to do. And so I think there is opportunity for even um, being set apart, I guess, mm-hmm. as an actor mm-hmm. and. And as far as the presentation, yeah, it was not, especially from a reform perspective. I agree with you that as it's it's discouraging if a reformed believer comes out and says, "What an amazing gospel presentation." Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, like you said, it's for him to say anything at all. I mean, so it must be something that that he does believe strongly, and we should pray that that if he's, you know, a baby Christian that's still learning these things, that he would grow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that something that you said from the tweet, um, sort of an idea that was um, put forward in there is really interesting and something that, um, you know, we as a believing community can, we really ought to consider. And that's the idea, um, you know, Chris Pratt aside, which by the way, I'm going to out myself as a fuddy-duddy here. I have never seen a movie that Chris Pratt was in. Yeah, I don't think Um, I have (laughs) Um, I, we have watched Parks and Rec. He's in Parks and Rec. We know that. We're not, <laughs> we're not completely disconnected. <laughs> anyway, uh, aside from him, just him aside and talking about this phenomenon sort of in a general way, um, you know, I remember, I, I remember a couple years ago, somebody, uh, I think it was Matthew McConaughey saying, you know, like saying, thank you, God, something just that very small and simple mm-hmm. in, in an award speech and Christians lost their minds. Oh, Matthew McConaughey, he grew up in a Christian family, blah, 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 blah. And it's just an interesting phenomenon to me that there is, there is that like constant hunt for a mascot 
that um, we can, you know, cheer about and like, this is our big pick me up that, you know, somebody famous is a Christian. Yeah, we're winning. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. I, I, I think that's an interesting phenomenon. You know, maybe we should examine why does this, I don't know, why does this give us so much hope? I mean, Right. Well, you you even saw it years ago with Mel Gibson and mm-hmm. and producing The Passion of the Christ. Right. And uh, of course, I've never seen The Passion of Christ of the Christ. I won't. I think it's a Second Commandment violation. But you saw a lot of Christians. Now, something interesting that happened with me is when this whole thing came out. I was camping in the mountains, and I did not have great internet. I had internet enough to see some headlines on social media, Mm -hmm. but I did not have enough to stream any video. And so I saw talk about it. And so the way that some people were talking about, I thought, wow, this must be really amazing. (laughs) This is like a low level systematic theology class. I'm thinking. Right. (laughs) And so in my mind, I, from the way that some people were talking about it, and you, the admins in the admin chat um, talked about it a little bit. So I knew that it probably wasn't as amazing as some people were painting it out to be. But by when I get down from down from the mountain and I get a chance to actually watch it, I was a little bit disappointed because mm-hmm. of the way that some people like you said, you know, some reformed believers look at this amazing gospel presentation. And so I thought it was interesting that my perception of of what it was based on what some people were saying, even in reformed Facebook groups, that I had in my mind built it up that it must be at least okay, you know, and, and then I, I watched it and I was like, oh, that's it. <laughs> you know? Right. So, uh, and so I <laughs> think, I think. God we, loves you and has an amazing plan for your life. I've heard that. Right. <laughs> it, where at the same time, the, the people that were out there going, but it was so amazing. Yeah. Would, would we be saying that same thing if, you know, one of our reformed friends, I mean, one of our reformed friends gave that gospel presentation, we'd be like, we need to have a talk. <laughs> right. <You know? laughs> right. 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 <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's really true. Um, so it's, it's very interesting to see people's reactions, um, to different right things going on in culture and what we get excited about. Yeah. And I think too, you know, just that idea that we like, we want somebody on our side, somebody famous uh-huh. on our side like mm-hmm. you were saying, so we can say, Oh, look at, Look at uh, Chris Pratt, you know, so. Right, right. He's he's team us. (laughs) Right, exactly. But I think this is actually a really, this is a really good segue into what we are going to be talking about today. Well, something that people have been asking us for quite a while to do an episode on, and this will be a little bit of a series, and that is evangelism. So I don't know if they're going to be right in a row, these episodes, but they will be a little bit part of a series. We're, today, we're going to talk about evangelism. And in a couple of weeks, we have an episode with an ex-Mormon woman. It's just really neat and the work the Lord has done in her life. And we're also going to be doing an episode on apologetics. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is kind of a good introduction to that. I think especially for our gals out there, I know we, we appreciate our men 
listeners, but I think this one is probably more so directed to the ladies because I I hear often, and even when I brought it up in the group today, I hear a lot of, you know, stay-at-home moms, especially. You know, I'm home homeschooling my children, and I rarely am I with even non-Christians. You know, I'm homeschooling mm-hmm. my children. I'm at homeschool co-op. I'm at church. You know, I just don't right. have a lot of opportunity. What does evangelism look like for me? And and I think also one thing I was thinking about this week, and I didn't want to neglect to say this, is we we are all very different. I have a friend and her husband, if we're out with them, no matter where we go, he, he starts conversations with everybody. And, you know, he's sharing the gospel two minutes later and the Lord just really gifted him in the, in the ability to do that. And I Mm -hmm. think it is important to remember too, that different people do have, have different gifts. So I don't want anyone to walk away from this episode and think I'm just a failure at sharing the gospel. So I right. I, want, I hope that you will be encouraged by mm-hmm. by this episode. So first of all, let's just talk really quickly about what is evangelism. And one of the articles I'm going to link I had found on Ligonier and I thought it was really a helpful description on uh, on evangelism and I'm just going to read a short little part of it it says evangelism is one way in which we can fulfill Christ's call to be his witnesses in biblical categories witnessing involves making visible what otherwise invisible the reality to which we bear witness is the invisible kingdom of God so this this is a way that, and I think that it's really twofold. I think that we are an example of Christ just in our lives. And I think that's that's one way in, in mm-hmm. relationships. Sometimes it does not mean, you know, hi, I'm your new coworker. Let me tell you about Christ. <laughs> like right. first discussion. I think evangelism can really be in in two different ways, in in that we are an example of Christ and then in that we preach Christ. But I think it would be important before we move on, Angela, is to stop and talk about the gospel. And we're going to refer back to this over and over. But I know a lot of people in the group were saying things like, I, how do I even share the gospel? I grew up with very easy believism. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about what the gospel is? Yeah. So how about I put you on the spot for that one? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the gospel, um, very technically, the gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ has done for you what you could not do for yourself. It is the good news that he was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, and therefore satisfied all the requirements of the covenant of works for you, and then died to pay the penalty for your sins, and then rose again on the third day. And um, so, you know, when we preach the gospel, we are giving people the news that there is a way, there is someone who has made a way to the Father for you that you did not have on your own. Right. And I think this is really important when we're preaching the gospel to preach law and gospel. Right. So often, you know, I've talked about before where there's almost a gospel of if you're unhappy and your life is hard, then come to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Better. That's that's actually not the gospel. The gospel right. is that you are a sinner 
that you have violated God's holy law and your only hope is through faith in in Jesus Christ. Now, now one thing, and we talked about this on the Calvinism episode, but someone did want me to talk about it, is there is a misconception that because we're Calvinists, because we believe that Ephesians 2 is true, that um, that you are dead in your trespasses and sins and made alive in Christ, that he is the one who makes us alive. Mm-hmm. Because we believe that to be true, then we must not believe that evangelism is necessary. But you know what? We believe that all of the Bible is true. And, right. that, and the Bible tells us, you know, how are they going to hear if no one preaches it to them? Mm-hmm. That that's what That's what scripture says. You know, scripture says, how in Romans 10, 15, how are they to preach unless they are sent, you know? And so this idea that we don't preach the gospel, but sadly there is something that we call hyper Calvinists and that they're, they're, they're just a small group. I don't think you'll run into them very often that would actually think that preaching the gospel isn't necessary. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever met anyone <laughs> cool like that, but <laughs> maybe just on the internet, <laughs> right? Maybe just, yeah. On Facebook. I don't think they even <laughs> hang out on Twitter. They're not out evangelizing. We know that. That's right. And hyper Calvinism, you, you hear a lot of people I have heard since becoming a Calvinist that people will say things to me like, well, I always heard that Calvinists dot, dot, dot. So Calvinists don't believe in obedience or mm-hmm. Calvinists don't believe in evangelism. I don't think that, I think that people just make that up and then they repeat <laughs> it. I, I'm fairly convinced now people make stuff up and then they repeat it and then they say it like it's fact. Like, okay, I, I don't think that a hyper-Calvinist is, is, is a, re- well, they're definitely not a reformed believer. So let's just say mm-hmm, that. They're, mm-hmm, that's a right. Calvinist is it's not a reformed believer. Completely different system. It's not reformed faith. If you're an antinomian, then you are not reformed. Sorry. That's right. <laughs> um, you cannot sit with us. <laughs> right. You would have to deny, if you're an antinomian, you would have to deny a lot of the reformed confessions. So, mm-hmm. but, so I think it's important to note that we do believe that we need to be out there. Reformed denominations are sending missionaries to unreached people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. peoples across the world, because we believe that they need to be sent and to preach the gospel yep. to the lost. And so, absolutely, I, I have a brother who's a Calvinist and he's a missionary. I get uh, updates from my church every single week about uh, the missionaries that we support. And of course, uh, my church is reformed, so we're Calvinists. Um, some of the greatest evangelists in history have been Calvinists. So uh, this, the accusation that Calvinists don't believe in evangelism is just, it's just false. Uh, we, right. we, we believe that um, uh, certainly no one can come to the Father unless the Father draws them. But God uses means. Um, he uses the preached gospel to bring sinners to himself. And um, that is the privilege that we get to participate in that. And so um, we certainly do believe in evangelism. Right. And, you know, I wanted to, when I was talking about the twofold 
kind of two different aspects of evangelism. And I had read Romans 10, 15, how are they to preach unless they are sent? And But I also wanted to read John 13, 34, 35, because it has to do with that kind of other mm-hmm. side. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so there we do see we do see points in scripture that it points to our example of Christ mm-hmm, in our lives. Mm-hmm. Now that is not enough. We need to be preaching right. the gospel too. We don't just go, I'm just going to live like Jesus, but never preach the gospel, right? Never share the gospel. And no, we need to be, we need to be sharing the gospel. Absolutely. But we also need to be mindful that we are an example of Christ in in this life. And I think it'd be a good kind of time to transition into talking a little bit about vocations, because I think this is an important aspect of, of evangelism. Absolutely. And um, I'm just thinking about, you know, the, the quote that you said at the beginning um, about um, witness and evangelism, how, you know, witness is a, is a bigger category, a broader category, and then evangelism is, is, a, is a part of how we witness you know, um, the, the passage from John that you just read, um, you know, you hear folks say sometimes that we need to live the gospel. And so what we're talking about is we preach the gospel and the way that the way that we live helps us authenticate our witness. Oh, that's, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think in this day and age, and, and I'm, we're sadly hearing it in reformed ish circles where people say things like that's a gospel issue that's a gospel issue or yep. live the gospel what's that quote yep but um share the gospel use words if necessary it's just right. a really silly <laughs> thing to say okay yes right. of course you absolutely <laughs> have to use words in sharing the gospel thank you yes. very much we can be a witness to christ but we need to share the gospel Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how, uh, right. If the gospel is news, then it, it is not proclaimed. It, how do you tell somebody the news by simply living a certain way? You, you do need to open up your mouth and tell someone what the news actually is. Right. Um, doesn't negate the fact that um, we need to live in a way that authenticates our witness and, and helps them be able to hear that news. But the gospel itself is the news of what Jesus Christ has done for sinners. Right, exactly. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up, Angela, because I, I actually meant to have you talk about that before we get to this, before we get to vocation. But I, the reason why I wanted to talk about vocation in this discussion is because of how many times I have heard women say, I don't feel like I'm doing enough because yeah. I'm, I'm a stay at home, homeschooling mm-hmm. mom. Or, you know, I just, I just work from home. I'm staying home with my kids and doing part-time work in the evenings on my computer. And, you know, I just, I don't really see very many people. So I I think it's important to talk about our vocations and where the Lord has us. And for those who aren't familiar, I would link our episode with David Van Drunen on Two Kingdoms Mm -hmm. because we Mm -hmm. talked about vocation there. But for those who are not familiar with the idea of vocation, oh, I'm also going to link an excellent article by Jean Edward Veith. He's a Lutheran, but writes some great things on vocations and even Mm -hmm. talks specifically about mothers and some of them. But 
In medieval theology, the word vocation is the Latin word for calling. So before the Reformation in the Catholic Church, this the calling only referred to a monk or a nun or a priest. Okay. But but this idea of vocation that we all have vocations is this idea that every area of life should be dedicated to the glory and honor of God in fulfillment of our created purpose. And really what it comes down to is wherever the Lord has us, whatever he's called us to is serving God in our neighbor within our vocation. And I'll give examples. My husband, for instance, his vocation is working for United Airlines, but he's also he also has the vocation of being a father and a husband. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for me, mine is being a mother and a podcaster. And, and this is where the Lord has me. And it's no less better or worse than the person who's called to be a pastor. I obviously can't be called to be a pastor because I'm a woman, but it's <laughs> it's just different where the Lord has us at different places in this life. Yes. Yes. I, I listened to a talk by Rod, Rod Rosenblatt recently about vocation, and it was really helpful to me. Actually, I'm fairly new to understanding this doctrine, and it is it is really freeing to understand that, you know, um, you were talking about the medieval theology to understand that in contrast to what we believe about two kingdoms and vocation and the idea that there are not a set of vocations that are holy and everything else is just, well, this is how I make money and I have to, but it's terrible and it's not useful and it's a waste of time. And no, all of us, all of our callings um, are made holy by doing everything that we do as unto the Lord. And um, that is, it, it was just really great. He kind of gave the example in the talk that I was listening to that, um, you know, a lot of times in sort of evangelical churches, maybe you're meeting somebody new for the first time and they say, oh, okay, so what do you do? And they say, oh, I'm an accountant. And then, uh, they, got, then they say back, okay, well then, so what's your ministry? And if you don't have an answer that, oh, okay, so, well, you're not, uh, you're not really firing all, on all cylinders for the Lord here. You don't have a ministry. And the, do- the doctrine of vocation kind of pokes some holes in that idea. Um, now, we're not saying that you shouldn't be engaged with your church and serving, but what we're saying is that what you do in the vocation that you're called to as unto the Lord that is holy. That is something that the place that God has you, you are helping to be a part of God's common grace by doing what you do well and serving your neighbor. And then, you know, as you make those relationships, yes, here is your here is your opportunity to share the gospel, to, to use your words and share the gospel. But what you do, that it, this is just like what we were talking about, you, the way that you live authenticates your sharing of the gospel. Right. And for the mom out there, and I'm going to speak to you for a second, we're going to get a little bit more into this later, but mm-hmm. where the Lord has you I, is, that is, that's an amazing vocation to have, to be a mom and to be a wife. And 
to preach the gospel to your children. We have the opportunity to preach the gospel every single day to our children, both in our example of Christ to them, but also in, I used, when my children were young and I was disciplining them, I used every opportunity of disciplining them to preach the law and the gospel Mm -hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. They even understood the why of obedience, that their obedience did not make me love them more or God love them more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yes. just even even under even explaining to a young child the law and the gospel and sanctification. And we have so many opportunities for that just throughout the day as moms. And that may be the only person you preach the gospel to all year. Mm-hmm. But that is where the Lord has you. There's a, a quote and there's debate of, over whether Martin Luther said it or not, but I'm still <laughs> going to read it. And it says the Christian shoemaker does his duty, not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. So whatever mm-hmm. your vocation is, do it for the glory of God. Do it well, because mm-hmm. you are doing it for the glory of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love what you said about sharing the gospel with our kids every day and using every opportunity because, you know, it does feel like as moms that um, some days we are just in the trenches and we are just, you know, we just want them to do the thing that we asked them 15 times to do that they still haven't done. And it is it's hard. I mean, everybody that's ever done it relates to this. It's hard. Um, And so it is really encouraging to think about that, that what we're doing is not just passing the time. We're not just trying to get through it and survive it. And believe me, I am talking to myself right now. (laughs) Um, I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old and there are days that I am just trying to get through it. And you know, what we, what we have in front of us is that chance to share the gospel with our kids and to use every disobey time to talk about, okay, you know, what was the law here? What was, um, what was God's standard that you broke? And, and what, what, what does it mean that, that you didn't meet God's standard? And, you know, we talk about, uh, I talk about with my son, especially because he really gets it. I'll say Jasper, you you disobeyed mommy. Is there someone who has perfectly obeyed for you? And he knows Jesus perfectly obeyed for me. And I, I will ask, does that mean that you don't have to obey? And he'll say, no, I, I need to obey because I love Jesus. And we use those opportunities to talk about, just like you said, the law yeah. and the gospel. Yes. And, and I, that's something that I feel very strongly about in our parenting, the importance of, of preaching the law and the gospel, because I think it's easy sometimes to just preach the law to our children. Yes. And we need that the gospel needs, needs to always, always be part of, of that preaching to our children. And, and I'll even say again, you know, teach your children the catechism because some of those mm-hmm. questions and answers will come up in your discipline. I can't tell you how many times where I would realize that whatever we were dealing with right then, I could ask a catechism question and they would mm-hmm. say the answer. They would know the, the answer to that. And it would be a good <laughs> reminder for them. And like, then wow. they know right away what they did. <laughs> right. This is practical, you know, yes. and, and there's a children's catechism that's, yep. 
that's based on the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and there's a Baptist version too. Your children can start learning that catechism as soon as they start talking. My kids, uh, you know, probably by 15 months could answer the first three questions of the children's catechism. Who made you? God. Mm-hmm. What else did God make? They'd say all things. They'd throw up their hands like all things. <laughs> Why did God make you in all things, which says for his own glory, but they would say glory, you know, mm-hmm. so they're 15 months old and they, they knew those first three questions. And, you know, usually by the time six and a half, seven years old, they got the whole shorter cat, uh, you know, the, the children's catechism, which is like almost 150 questions based on the shorter catechism. And they, they know, they know that. And what you'll see too, is you'll hear them even in their playtime or different things where they will be reminded of one of those questions and answers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hear the same thing with my kids. My youngest is three years old and we, uh, we like to do the catechism before bed sometimes. And uh, my daughter, she'll say, mommy, can we do glory? And she's, uh, you know, talking about glorify him. So Uh it's, it's sweet. It's just like you said, you know, they, they do, they, they can, uh, we use the children's catechism. Um, it's called first catechism. If anybody wants to look it up and you know, it's, it's perfect for them. They get it. They can remember it and they, they get what it means too. And it's, it's really, really sweet and precious and wonderful. So it's a great tool. I highly recommend it. Yeah. And I know that there is some CDs with music based on the children's catechism Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll link that here. One thing I did, of course, this will tell you how old I am, but when my, <laughs> when my kids were little, I got a tape recorder out and I recorded myself doing some of the catechism question and answers and the kids would play it at night when they went to sleep and you know, different ways we would, we would do catechism in the car. Our favorite thing to do in the car was sing hymns and go over the catechism and these are things that you are doing within your vocation. This mm-hmm. is a way of evangelism right there when you are training your children in the truth mm-hmm. of scripture and, and the gospel. So Absolutely. this is how being a mom to the glory of God. But I don't think our children are the only, are the only people that we have opportunities to evangelize. Sure. And you, let, me, let me share this little quote from Kim Riddlebarger from an article that I am going to link in the episode notes. And he says, personal conversation, most evangelism takes place within the context of people talking with non-Christian friends and neighbors on an individual basis. Everyone has non-Christian friends, family, neighbors, and coworkers, or you at least have, have one of those. And so now this doesn't mean you have to go door to door down your street. I've shared before, (laughs) I've for whatever reason, we have always, not not always, but for the last 19 and a half years, we have in different homes, different people, we've always had at least one Mormon neighbor. And we become friends with them and we're, we're neighbors with them. We help each other. We mm-hmm. loan each other the leaf blower or I, any sort of thing. Hey, I'm mm-hmm. putting um, new sod on my lawn, do you need me to get any extra for you? Or, you know, any, we're, we're neighborly with them. And then we get to know them. We can be an example of Christ. And my Mormon neighbor, she and I have had 
so many conversations through the years of living in this home. And she, and I'm pretty sure I shared this before, but it's just one of my favorite stories. Like we have talked before what she believes. One day we get in a conversation and she said, let me go grab my Bible. And she was looking up verses asking me, but one day she came over because she'd heard the gospel from us in these conversations. And she's like, I just have one question I don't understand about your faith. And she said, if you don't have to do good works, why do you? Mm. And like, that was a four hour conversation on our driveway. It was a four hour, but we explained it. We explained sanctification and obeying out of gratitude and because Mm -hmm. we're being sanctified in the Lord's work in our lives. And she said, wow, that's so neat. I've never heard anything like it. And so these are opportunities. She's not yet come to Christ, but she's heard the gospel. Mm -hmm. There's opportunities. I think probably the hardest people sometimes to share the gospel with is family, non-Christian family. I think I, I, I get that. Half my family is Jewish. It is hard for me to share the gospel, although I have. And my one of my Jewish cousins became a Christian several years ago, actually through a neighbor, not not because of our sharing the gospel in that moment, although she may have heard it from our family before, but it was through a neighbor. And I did get to share the gospel with my Jewish grandmother who became a Christian, which was so wonderful. And I have Mm. other family members I've shared the gospel with and it's not gone anywhere. And I know how discouraging it can be. And we have the reputation and in my husband's family that has some non-Christians and in the non-Christian part of my family being kind of like create crazy religious fanatics. And I know, I know that's hard and I know some people don't want to hear it. And in those cases where your life is an example and what you do is you pray mm-hmm. for opportunities mm-hmm. to share with words, the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was thinking just as you were talking is that, you know, sometimes when we've shared the gospel and it's not gone anywhere, the comfort that we have is that we believe that God draws sinners to himself. So our prayers to God are heard. Uh, When we pray for a friend to come to know the Lord, we are praying to a God who is sovereign over salvation, and we can trust that he will draw all of his sheep to himself. So we can pray for family and friends and neighbors who we've shared the gospel with and have comfort there. Yeah. And I think a lot, we've got a lot of listeners who came out of a very Arminian theology in Arminian churches, which I Mm -hmm. did. Um, Not actually the church that I spent a lot of the time in ended up very Calvinistic, but I spent a few years and then in college in a very Arminian churches. And there really was this idea that it was our responsibility to share the gospel clever enough that it would convince Mm -hmm. people to try it. And that, that it was just so discouraging. If I shared the gospel with someone and they didn't respond, I must not have done a, a well enough job of explaining it. And I felt like I really did feel like the weight of the world's salvation was on my shoulders. If I didn't get out there and tell everyone and make sure that I did it well enough so that they wanted to come, that I, I was a failure. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You need to practice more and get your technique going. Better and, apologetic. Yep, yep. Your uh, your presentation wasn't sharp enough. You didn't say the right words. It's yeah. I I totally understand. I I remember um, that I've. This is not at the church where I grew up, but um, a church that my husband and I used to attend. Um, just being listening to sermons where it would be preached, you know how many times did you share the gospel this week? Like you need to, it's, I don't know how to explain, like, like you need to rack up the notches and, and how many did you, how many people have come to Christ because of you sharing the gospel? If you're, if you can't say, if you can't remember the last time that happened, there's something wrong. Yeah. And, so really putting the responsibility on me, you know, I know you and I were talking about this the other day, the other day. And, and you said, uh, you, you mentioned hearing someone preach, you know, like if, if you uh, have shared the gospel with somebody or haven't maybe, and, and they don't come to Christ, their blood is on your hands. But do we believe that? Do we, do we believe that it's my responsibility to bring somebody to Christ? No. And this is where we, we need to remember that salvation is the Lord's and he uses our sharing of the gospel as a means Mm -hmm. to bring people to the knowledge of the gospel and, and faith in himself, but the work is his. So even Mm -hmm. if you screw up (laughs) in in how you share the gospel. And I I have a wonderful story that I hope will be encouraging because sometimes we can share the gospel and just, and feel like it's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And my, my brother-in-law has very good friend he grew up with and he's been sharing the gospel with this friend, you know, forever and ever. And this friend would come over and, you know, every time we were there, he was, he was over sitting with a bunch of people that are talking theology. And then here he is the atheist, but he would sit there and listen and sometimes maybe ask some questions, but he just really, you know, I just don't believe that I, you know, whatever. And, and, you know, we, we at least had the knowledge that salvation was the Lord's and we could continue mm-hmm. to pray for him. And, when his mother died, who was a Christian, and after she died, and he read, started reading through the Bible, reading through the Gospels, and sometime within that, the Lord worked in him, and he said he knew that this was truth, and he came to Christ, but Mm. he also has said how much he realized he knew because of sitting in those conversations and hearing the gospel and hearing about the Lord's work from his Christian friends. And so even sometimes when we feel like, is it even doing anything? You know, I keep sharing, sharing the gospel with my good friend or my family member, and I don't know if it's going anywhere. There's just comfort in knowing the Lord may use that. And the Lord is using that in ways that we do not see. Mm-hmm. And so even if it's not right now, we have a, a friend who just is very diligent about sharing the gospel with those in his life. And so they had this insurance agent. And so he got to know his insurance agent and he shared the gospel with him. It didn't really go anywhere. And then he didn't see the insurance agent for a few years and ran into him. And the guy said, guess what? I became a Christian. And so sometimes the, the Lord uses it in ways that we don't even mm-hmm. see where 
the Lord used our friend to kind of plant the seed. And then after that, this guy started thinking about it and, and um, eventually did come to Christ. And so we're, we're to, we're to do it because we're told to do it, mm-hmm. to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But as far as what happens with it and the work that's done in somebody's life, that is the Lord's. Absolutely. Absolutely. In, in his perfect and sovereign time, too. And you know what I think right now is that that is very comforting, bringing it back to moms, um, because we do have a lot of moms in our audience. That is so comforting to know with respect to our children. We we need to um, be faithful in sharing the gospel, giving our children both the law and the gospel, and um, and and certainly be faithful in our example to them, make sure that our life is a witness but the work that goes in goes on in our children's hearts that is the lord's there is yeah. no magic perfect i did it well enough therefore i have therefore i'm you know my children are saved because i did it right um there's no such thing we trust in the lord to do the work in our children's hearts and and that is very comforting on days when i'm not doing a great job you know because yeah. i know that we all have those rough days that um that I, I need to obey and do a good job because I love the Lord and because I, I want to do what, what he wants me to do. Um, but when I'm not doing a good job and I'm just really whiffing it that day, <laughs> um, you know what? My, my child's salvation is not dependent on that. That is the Lord's work. And um, I am so grateful for that. That is a great comfort to me. And you know what? Mom's out there. You will fail. You Mm -hmm. will fail as a mom in different ways on different days. And I think that I do think that something that I've struggled with and I've seen it among other Reformed believers that intellectually we can recognize that salvation is of the Lord's. But I think that in some sort of emotional sense, we buy into the lie that our children will be saved if we do everything right. Mm -hmm. And then when, if we have a child who strays, then we say, what did I do wrong? Yep. Yep. What did I do wrong? Are you to live in obedience to the Lord and raise your children in the Lord? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Are you to be obedient to the Lord in your interactions with your children? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I have seen good parents who have children that stray, and I've seen parents Mm -hmm. that aren't so great who have children that remain faithful to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And we have to be mindful, especially those of you with little ones, because I really did buy into this idea that if I, I really had it all set out in my head, if I just did everything right, my children would never stray. And God in his sovereignty has given me a child who has. And and I had to work through a lot. I had to repent of my own trust in myself mm-hmm. for my mm-hmm. children's salvation. I trusted myself for my children's salvation more than I trusted the Lord for their salvation. And I had to repent of that. And I had to learn and go to the Lord and ask him to help me trust you, Lord, with my children. Because I'm, I kind of want to be a control freak right now. I want to be in control of what <laughs> happens with them. You know, I don't, I don't want yeah. you to be in control. I feel better if I'm in control. But, but the Lord, the creator of the universe who loves us, 
he is in control and we can find comfort. Even if we have a child that strays, we can remember who God is. We can remember his faithfulness, his love for us. And God in his mercy has given me such great peace in regards to my son who doesn't know him. And I don't know what will happen with my son, but I do have peace and I do rest in God's goodness and faithfulness. Amen. I I just want to tell you, thank you for being willing to share all of that and and your testimony about that, that part of being a mom, because I know that we have listeners who can relate and who really need that balm of knowing that you can rest in the Lord's goodness and that it is not about whether or not you did a good enough job. So I just want to tell you, thank you for sharing your testimony on that. Well, I'm not going to say who said this to me, but a pastor friend of mine kind of just lightly said, I don't know how much that you want to share on the podcast about your, your child who has strayed because people will judge you for that. And this is, this Mm -hmm. is a friend I have such utmost respect for, and Mm -hmm. I know exactly what he means. I know exactly Mm -hmm, what he means. mm -hmm. And, and, and he listens to the podcast. So I know, (laughs) but, and that is true. That, that is true. There are probably, I, I know that when I had young children and I would see a family with older children who had a child that strayed that in my head, I would ask myself, I wonder what they did wrong. Uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm yeah. confessing that right here, that I, I am guilty of having done that when my mm-hmm. children were young. And, you, and I'll tell you what I said to him. And he, he, did, he did agree with me when I said this. I said, you know, I, I, I know that there will be people that will judge me and wonder how we failed that our child would stray. And I said, but what I've also learned is that there's so many people like me mm-hmm. that don't want to mm-hmm. talk about it because of the judgment. And I think mm-hmm. that this is, this is one of the ways the Lord can use me. I, I think mm-hmm. of um, 1 Corinthians, it talks about one of the reasons that we suffer is that we may comfort others who suffer. And I've had women who've come to me and said, thank you so much for being willing to talk about that because I'm mm-hmm. in that same place. And it's really been encouraging to me to hear you talk about your son. You know, I realize I'm not alone, yeah. that other people are, are going through that too. I'm even in a group on on Facebook of of people who are in my situation that have prodigal children and I I can just encourage those of you moms and dads out there that have a child that maybe is in a rebellious period or questioning their faith or maybe has turned their back on Christ altogether that to go to the Lord to pray to remember his faithfulness mhm amen so now I think so we got neighbors, we got coworkers, and there just might be people in your life. I I know I've I have a friend who who just anytime he has an opportunity to share the gospel, he he will, you know, whether it's his mechanic or his doctor. And I know some <laughs> people, not not all of us are gonna have opportunities to do that. I think some people do have a greater gift of evangelism to bring up those conversations. But I do want to encourage you that I think sometimes it isn't stranger evangelism so much as evangelism with those that we have developed relationships with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, It's funny you're talking about some people are better at it than others. Um, It made me think of, uh, you know, I listened to your episode with Andrew Rappaport a few weeks ago and 
Um, it, I loved that he had a game where you could bring up any subject and he's supposed to be able to bring it back to the gospel and share the gospel. And uh, that was a really uh, cool little game there, um, you know, just for practice, if you want to sort of build your chops and being able to just drop the gospel on somebody. But that's not everybody's style. You, right. you know, and, you know, we have now said it several times now, but, you know, moms at home where who you're encountering day by day is your kids. You can work it into what's what's going on in your life. Um, and so that's a cool little skill to develop. But you don't have to awkwardly force it into every single conversation that you have with a stranger. So Right, right. You're at you're at the grocery store and you you're, <laughs> We're in the you're checkout standing, line. You're in the checkout line and you pull out the um National Enquirer and say <laughs> Now, this is an example of total depravity. <laughs> and then you go from there. Right. Yes. Um, yes. Oh, I see that you're buying bread there. Yes. Did you know Jesus is the bread of life? <laughs> right. There you go. Right. There you go. Boy, we could really, we could actually literally make that into a game right there. Uh-huh. Somebody called John Chris. I feel like we're. Uh, I, I was just thinking that. <laughs> I, I feel like we're going to give him a run for his money here. <laughs> You know, I have had an opportunity once standing in a long line at the grocery store. <laughs> hey, don't say no to that. Go with right. it. Right. <laughs> you, you don't know, but I think for a lot of us moms, a, a lot of those opportunities are going to come with our friends, with our family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know somebody wanted us to just briefly address what do you do when you have family members that are they they don't want to hear it they're absolutely not interested and i've been there and really i would say that can continue to be an example in your life mm-hmm. of christ now let me say that you're going to fail that you know especially in families we have fights we sometimes behave badly i'm very guilty of that myself and you know it it can be very difficult we've had you know, situations where we have some homosexuals in our family. And I don't, I know when my, my one cousin who grew up in a church came out to me and he said, you know, something like, I suppose you're going to now tell me why homosexuality is wrong. And, and I said, well, you already know that. (laughs) And I said, but I want you to not forget that you do have hope in Christ mm-hmm. to repent of your sin. And I said, you are a sinner just as I am. Right. And right. the only hope that you have is the only hope that I have. And so a lot of our family will sometimes assume, you know, I've got a couple of family members who've come out as homosexuals. So they automatically assume you're a Christian. So you judge me, don't you? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes there can be almost a, a bitterness and it can be assumptions regardless of what you do, even if you do an excellent job of being an example. Christians sometimes have a reputation. Oh, Christians are judgmental. But Mm -hmm. I think it's important to focus on that gospel when you're able. Don't don't make it just about the law. You want to emphasize the gospel when Mm -hmm. it comes to to these sins because you're homosexual family member or just your nice atheist family member are both in the same boat that their only hope is Christ. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, You know, what um, you're talking about right now with having friends and family who are very bitter towards the church, it really reminds me very much of an episode 
um, that Theology Gals had uh, a while back that was a message by um, Rod Rosenblatt about the gospel for those who have been hurt by the church. And um, he gives some really good advice on how to give that gospel balm to people who are hurting and who who know right away what judgment you're going to give them. They know right away what you're going to say that they're doing wrong. And he talks about how in broader evangelicalism, we've done a great job of giving law. In fact, there's a lot of churches out there that that's all they do. And so just like you said, we need to make sure that we are pressing on the gospel that there is one who has satisfied the law for you. There is one who has paid the penalty for those sins. You need to trust in him for your righteousness. And so, you know, I I listened to that episode for the first time actually a few um, weeks ago. And man, it just brought me hot tears because it is so, it is such a relief to think about the gospel when you have been steeped in law. And, um, you know, he just, he gives so, so many examples of that, so many personal examples. Um, and he gives some great advice at the end about how to give that, that gospel balm to um, people who are hurting. So that's one thing that I thought about when you were talking just now about family and friends who are bitter to the church, just exactly as you said, give them. The other thing is too, is you may have people in your lives that say, Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we go to church like on Christmas yep. and I believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I, I went to Bible camp when I was eight years old mm-hmm. and I raised my hand when they asked who was asking Jesus in their heart. Right, right. So I am totally a Christian. Mm-hmm. And there's, there was actually somebody not too long ago that was somebody like that. And one of my friends said, what, what would you say the gospel is? And this person um, said, well, it, it's about like Jesus and the cross, but mm-hmm. had no understanding of our sinfulness mm-hmm. and the necessity of faith in Christ and why of, of Christ's death on the cross to forgive us of our sins mm-hmm. and his perfect obedience for us, that his righteousness is imputed to us as if we always obey the law perfectly. Mm-hmm. No understanding of that. And so you may have people and you may have a coworker that sits in the next cubicle over that even has like a little cross hanging up there and, and goes to Corner Community Church, but mm-hmm. has never heard the gospel. That's right. I know that you have um, received messages and uh, talked to women who have listened to um, Theology Gals podcast and said, you know what? You're the first time I've ever heard the gospel. So absolutely, don't don't neglect to share the gospel with your friends in the church. Because you know what? Even if they are in the Lord, we never outgrow our need yes. to hear the gospel. In fact, this is why it's important, even with your Christian friends, the ones that do have saving faith, your husband, your your friends, your other family members, to remind them of the gospel. Like Angela said, we're very good at the law. We're, we've got that down, okay? We've got that down. Um, but even each of us preaching the gospel to ourselves and being reminded of our hope in Christ on a daily basis is is very important. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to neglect neglect that. Now, so one person had asked us um, about preaching the gospel to Muslims. We're actually planning an episode 
in sharing the gospel with different cults. When we have the Mormon, the ex-Mormon gal, we're going to talk about sharing the gospel with Mormons. But I am going to link in the episode notes just one of my favorite series on Islam, and it's from a Christian apologist, Adam Francisco. He's been on the White Horse Inn before. I think it's five, there. I think they're five 30-minute lessons. I think it may have been a Sunday school class, but I'm not exactly sure. It's on YouTube. It is so, so, so good because I I really do not have any Muslims in my life, but I feel like I have a greater understanding and a, on how to share the gospel with them if I do meet any Muslims. And so I'm going to link that in the episode notes. His presentation is just very very, very good. I'll, look, I'll link the white horse in that he was on, but I do want to do eventually an episode on, on sharing the gospel with people in cults. And mm-hmm. like I said, we are going to be doing an apologetics episode. If there's anything for, for those in the group, I will put a post. If anyone has any specific questions that we should address on that episode, if you're not in the group, feel free to email us at email us at theologygals at gmail.com saying, hey, I need to understand this. I think the focus of that episode will be presuppositional apologetics because I think that's new to presuppositional apologetics is new to a lot of people that are newer in the Reformed faith. And so I thought it would be good to do an episode on, on that and just apologetics in general. I have a wonderful guest for that, for that episode. I have several articles I'm linking in the episode notes uh, today, so well, I thought I thought instead of a a yeah about that this week, you had seen something interesting in in our Facebook group, and we thought it might be a good wrap up to what we've talked about today. Yeah, there was a question posted in our group just today, and it was a really interesting question about how do you use social media. And um, it wasn't explicitly asking, do you use social media to share the gospel? But, you know, sort of a poll. Do you keep your social media locked down tight? Do you share Christian content all the time? What's the spectrum from, for you? And um, the conversation is still ongoing. And it's really interesting to see the responses. And actually, um, uh, to be honest, I'm actually really encouraged that um, I don't see anyone on here. I, I have definitely heard this type of uh, statement before in the past in other venues, not, not in Theology Gals, but just in the past in my life, maybe small group studies and someone's expressing an opinion. I've heard it said, you know, if you're not using your Facebook to share the gospel and to share Christ all the time, you need to rethink things. Um, you need to. You're, you're most likely ashamed of Christ if if you might not even be saved. Right. <laughs> <laughs> most likely not. I mean, ask yourself what would Jesus do if he was here and he had Facebook? Come on. So, um, what do we think about this? What do we think about sharing the gospel on social media and how that works? Yeah, you know, it it is something that I have thought about as far as what my Facebook reflects. I have a lot of friends on social media and, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm using friends (laughs) loosely. And uh, so if I think about what my, what, who it is that's seeing my, my social media, a lot, a lot of reformed Christians, I've got a lot of Mm -hmm. reformed Christians and, you know, I promote the podcast and then I have a, 
a lot of a family and my family is probably about half believers and about half non-believers now within the within the believer side very few are reformed so sometimes <laughs> i feel like i'm trying to promote good theology right you you know i've got a lot of i also have like friends that i grew up with some of them are not believers you know that i went to high school with or i have people that i went to college with Almost none of them are reformed. I think there's one person I went to college with that's now reformed. And so sometimes I feel like I'm, you know, trying to get out good theology. So I do sometimes use it for that. But I also do sometimes try to post stuff that does give a gospel presentation because I have a lot of Jewish family. And I, I don't think that, that social media, I think that, that I need to be sharing the gospel with them in my relationship with them. Mm -hmm. I do hope that they will see in social media that I am a Christian and, and maybe a gospel they'll see the gospel and the Lord will use that. But I don't think that that should be like a primary thing. Mm -hmm. I, I think it would be easy also to make like make social media about the gospel and then not be sharing the gospel with those people in my real life. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, you know, I've been thinking about this question since it got posted. And actually, it's interesting that it came up today because I've sort of been thinking about this over the last week or so um, as we've been talking about evangelism. And for me personally, uh, I take what I post online just very case by case. I take it as it comes. I make decisions little by little, and um, I'm certainly not secretive about my faith, but I, it's a fine line for me. I'm trying to not, not necessarily to bombard everyone at all times, but what is really interesting to me, though, is rather than, you know, my particular style is not really to set my personal prof- profile to public and post everything all the time, but rather I, I kind of have an active presence in private groups and building relationships that way. And it's so interesting. I've been thinking about for the last week how sometimes you hear people say, oh, nobody's mind has ever changed over social media. Nobody ever, you know, uh, it's so interesting. My, my personal experience has been completely different than that. Building relationships with people online um, has been so amazing for me. And I was just telling Matt a few days ago, we were having a conversation about this and I told him, I honestly feel like I've gotten to share the gospel, really share the gospel more in the last six months than maybe the entire rest of my life combined. And a lot of this is coming through building relationships online. And so I think that this is a lot like a lot of the other scenarios that we talked about tonight, that style is involved. Um, There's not one particular way that is the holy way that everybody must be doing it that way. And different personality styles and and how you're going to go about this, it's different for different people. And that is okay because God uses all different kinds of people. Right. And I'll I'll be honest, I I have had some family members unfriend me. And a couple of my of my Jewish family members have unfriended me, and they weren't super close. I was we had a family reunion several years ago, and I organized it through Facebook. And I have some very very orthodox 
Jewish family. And I think they were, I think they were offended by my Facebook mm. and, and that's going to mm-hmm. happen. Yep. That's going to happen some, unfortunately, you know, yeah. because it is the, it's the gospel and it's offensive. Right. And so, you know, I think, I think you're right. As far as you think about what your, what your Facebook is for. The other thing is online. I think in, in a way, I feel like my mission field is almost more Christians mm-hmm. uh, in, in trying to encourage them in sound doctrine and the study mm-hmm. of God's mm-hmm. word. And I have, I've really built some very, very close relationships with people on Facebook, whether it's, you know, the admins of the Theology Gals group, we're all, we've all become very good friends. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of the women have even visited one another. One of, I've gone on a vacation <laughs> to a conference with one of the admins. And, and then I've, even before Theology Gals, I had, I had made uh, a couple of, a few good friends. And even on our travels, I have visited some of the good friends that I have made. And, you know, I think even I think about the women that I hear from that have been influenced by the podcast or the group. And, you know, they're, they were in a Assemblies of God church and now they're attending a OPC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just very, it's, it's encouraging to, to see that just from social media. I think so often we talk about the negative. I hear people talking about the negative on Twitter and Facebook mm-hmm. and whatnot, but I've seen a lot, as frustrated as I get with it sometimes. And I really do. I see a lot of good stuff too, that comes out of it. I agree. Me too. I mean, one thing that it, being involved with other believers online has done for me, you just used the word encouraging. I, I really, really agree with that. Um, it has encouraged me in in my own level of boldness. I mean, I, I think about a mutual friend that you and I have, Marissa. She is relentless and unapologetic in sharing the gospel, the one true gospel all the time. And it is so encouraging, inspiring to me. And so having that around you and um, seeing others uh, share their faith in a bold way is so encouraging. It encourages me to, to go forward and do that as well myself. And, and grow in my ability to do that. And um, it's amazing how, you know, pe- just like you said, people dog uh, social media, but there there really are some positives that I, I have been very encouraging to me. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely agree. And, and I think, I think probably I would say, I know for you and I, and I'm, I would guess for even a lot of our listeners, we have a lot of friends that are maybe into bad theology or Mm -hmm. maybe they're just babes in the faith that haven't grown a lot, haven't studied God's word a lot. And I think posting an article on Facebook I've had before where I've posted an article and somebody will write to me and say, wow, I was reading that article Mm -hmm. and they weren't reformed at all. It's like an R. Scott Clark article or something. Uh So, you know, I think probably a good portion of the time people (laughs) ignore the things that we might post. But like you said, Marissa, she's always posting very gospel centered sermons and, you know, articles and, and things like that, and just very passionate and Mm -hmm. and apologetically. And it is very much an encouragement 
to see that. And I think too, because she, like both of us, came out of something that was not truly gospel-centered. It right. was a lot more mixing of faith and works. Yeah. And when we understand the true gospel and understand justification and sanctification, we want others to understand yes. it too. We're it's- excited. Yes, absolutely. We, um, <laughs> my husband and I had a meeting um, with one of our pastors last night. We're working through church membership and we had a, just a great time uh, talking about all kinds of different things. But our pastor was talking about, he is actually uh, recent new to Presbyterianism. And uh, we were just talking about what that's like. And he said, it's just amazing that when you suddenly get what the gospel is, it's like everything was gray before and now you're in color and right. you just want people to see that. And you just, it's so exciting. You, you just think, whoa, how did I, how, what, how did I get by before without getting this? It's, it's so, it just changes everything and you want that for other people too. So, yeah. And you know what? And just to, to, to end, let me offer an encouragement and this is more not, not always for evangelism, because we did share some of those stories in the episode, but when you do discover the richness of Reformed theology and, and the truth and really understand the gospel, things like the imputation of Christ's righteousness, things mm-hmm. like the act of obedience of Christ, when you start to understand these things. And I, I sh- have always been very open with my friends. They aren't necessarily reformed, but I had one very, very close friend while I still have her. (laughs) And I, you know, and I would talk about these things and talk about these things. And one day she called me and she said, I get it. I get it now what you've been talking (laughs) about, about God's grace for all these years. I finally get it. You know, (laughs) your eyes are open and you finally really understand this thing. Like Mm -hmm. you were saying that your pastor and described. So my, and the reason I share this is I know that it can be discouraging mm-hmm. I know for some of you out there that you share these things with your friends and you're excited and, and they don't want anything to do with it or they're not mm-hmm. getting it. And so I just want to say, don't give up. Mm-hmm. You no, know, don't be obnoxious. Don't be a cage stager. You know, <laughs> so that they want to run far away from you. But continue to share with with your friends and and family and your loved ones. And the Lord, the Lord may use that, or is you know, like I always say, is is working in ways that we don't see. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the Lord gives the harvest. Yes. So, well, thank you so much for joining us. I do want to let you know that we're we're going to be doing a little series here. We're going to be doing an episode on apologetics and we'll be doing an episode with an ex-Mormon, which I, is going to be a great episode. And so definitely check those out in the coming weeks. So we will see you next week.